piece of paper. But I'm going to do something with this paper tonight. In order to do something with this paper, I'm going to have to make it a little different than what you see just now. If you're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, I'd like you to stand, and I'd like you to read with me, or not with me, but read along with me, I should say. Ephesians, chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Thank you. You may be seated. Now in this verse, uh, for these verses, it begins with, the idea of being saved, and it says that we're not saved because of anything that we could do or anything that's a part of us. The book of Ephesians, Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he was writing to them. He was saying, let's just peel back the veil a little bit. You unworthy, worthless Gentiles, let's just peel back the veil just a little bit and just peek, just peek into the space that is God's mind for you, but we can't pull back that veil very much because if we were to open it too much, we would just be blown away by the great, wonderful things that God has in store for you, oh, you worthless Gentiles. Well, we're all worthless Gentiles if you're sitting here tonight. We don't deserve any of the good things that God has chosen to give to us and the great plan that God has chosen to set up for us. But if you're sitting here and you know about Jesus, you know that we have an opportunity to be saved, to become a part of his family. And that only comes not because of anything we've done, but because of him and Jesus. If you're sitting here tonight and you say, I can do something to put myself into a good position before God, you are deceiving yourself. It's a boast that God will not let any person make. But beyond that, once we've been put into God's family, in verse 10, he wants you to know that you are his workmanship. He's doing a work in you that starts with salvation and I believe continues moving on from there. Now, I'm going to be substituting a word here for that word workmanship, and I'm going to substitute the word masterpiece. Because we don't use the word workmanship very much, but a masterpiece is something that someone has worked on and worked on and worked on until it's just right. And then they can just show it to the world. The title of my message tonight is God's Masterpiece. But how does God accomplish this particular working? Well, as he speaks to the church at Ephesus, Paul tells him, you see how great of things God has done for you? Now, once you understand that, here's what I want you to do with those great things that God has done for you. Because he's done all of that for you, here's a couple of things that you can do for him. And so when you look at this verse, you are God's masterpiece. How do you demonstrate that you are God's masterpiece? He says, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So I brought with me this piece of paper tonight, 
And I want to turn this piece of paper into my masterpiece. <laughs> I don't know how good it will be. I'm only human. But we're going to try and make this paper into something very, very special. Now, I am going to say, I don't know if I'm being recorded or not, but I just apologize to those who are listening perhaps later via an audio recording because you can't see this piece of paper. But just hang with me here because as we progress through the message, we get to the end. I think it will be clear even though you can't see the piece of paper. All right. However, all of you can see this piece of paper. Now, when God says he wants to make us his masterpiece, he says that he's done this, he's before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, his first requirement, if we want to become God's masterpiece, is that we need to obey. Now, when it comes to obeying God, there are big things and there are little things. What I'm going to do first to this piece of paper is I'm just going to make a fold in this piece of paper. Now, this piece of paper started out perfect. It was ideal. It was the ideal piece of paper. But as soon as I made this fold, something happened to this piece of paper. It now has a crease in it. No matter how hard I try, I can never get this crease out. That crease has permanently marred this piece of paper but I can't make this piece of paper into what I want to make it unless I make that crease. God has a marvelous something, a masterpiece that he wants to turn you into, but he cannot do that unless you are willing to be bent. God is expecting from you full obedience. Now I should say before I get too far, that if you have not accepted God's simple plan of salvation, if you have not put your full trust in Jesus, taken it completely off of yourself and put it only onto him, if there is any hope in your mind that you can do anything to please God and make it into his good graces and his good family, you are mistaken. He can't even begin to make you into the masterpiece that he wants to make you into because you have not even taken the very first step into joining him and his family. What God wants you to do is just simply take all of your trust off of yourself and put it only on Jesus, knowing that he died for you. As soon as you do that, God is so good that he accepts you into his family, forgives your sin, and then he begins his work in you. But for those of us who have chosen to trust in Jesus... In order to be used and to be built and to be worked on by God, we must be willing to be bent, and that requires full, and I mean full, obedience. There's an obedience in the small things, the little day-by-day -day things. Those can be very challenging, just because you have to be very consistent in that type of thing. But anytime there's any type of disobedience, you're resisting God's plan for your life. But obedience, it, it, it can come just through the little day-by-day -day things, but it's not just the day-by-day -day things. There's also those big decisions that sometimes we have to make. Perhaps God wants you to use your hard-earned money in some particular way, and you say, no, I, I worked hard for this money. I don't want to give it to so-and-so. They haven't worked nearly as hard as me. Or maybe God is, I don't know how God is working in your life, what he might be calling you to. He might be saying, I want you to leave this comfortable job 
and I want you to join me in the ministry. Now, just because you're working a job doesn't mean you're not in the ministry, I want to be clear. But it might be something that God is calling you to, and you say, if I make that decision, if I actually obey God in that particular area, my life will change, and not in a pleasant way. I anticipate I, I might not have as much money, or I might have to move, or, or my family might, might be hurt by this. Sometimes, though, I think that we become so distracted by the things of the world that we can't even hear when God asks us to do something big. We're not listening for those kinds of things. But when God asks us to do something, no matter how challenging, no matter how costly it might be, we should be willing to do it because he is trying to do a work in our life to turn us into his masterpiece. Now, let me just ask you all, do you all have any idea about what I'm trying to make? Anyone? Let me hear a guess, just a guess, a wild guess. Okay, origami, yes, okay, paper folding, yes, but what am I trying to make with my origami here? An airplane, oh, that's a wonderful guess. Any other guesses? An airplane, okay. Sorry? A snowflake, snowflake would be another great guess. Okay, yeah. A cross, okay, that would be another great guess. Graduation hat, that would be another great guess. You have a chance to guess a couple times in a little bit, but <clears throat> first thing you need to understand in order to become God's workmanship, his masterpiece, is that you must be willing to obey him, be willing to be bent. Now, I'm going to step outside of Ephesians, though, for just a moment. I'm going to hop over to Hebrews chapter 12, because there's another way that God tries to mold us and to, 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 to make us into his masterpiece. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the chastening of the Lord. We don't always obey what he wants us to do. And so there are times when God brings into our lives consequences. And God says in Hebrews chapter 12, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. When you've done something wrong and you have to suffer the consequences for that, don't resist. Don't get angry with God and say, this is too much, God. You're trying to bend me and to make me into something I don't want to be, and I'm not willing to accept the consequences for these actions. No, no, no. It's possible that God can bring very difficult things into your life as a result of your own sin to try and nudge you back onto the path that he wants you to be on so that he can turn you into his workmanship. You are God's workmanship, but when those times of chastening come, be willing to be bent. Let God do his work in you. Okay, I've made a few more folds here. Any other ideas what this might be? Oh, what was it? A sailboat. Ooh, that's a very good guess. Great, great. A fortune teller, all right, another good guess, but no, that, that's not quite what I'm making. Um, so far, all that I've done is uh, I have folded this paper, but if I were to unfold this paper, you would see that I have just continued to make more and more and more creases in this paper. 
But there is another way that God chooses to mold us. It's not just by just asking us to do difficult things. It's um, not just by punishing us perhaps when we have done something wrong, the consequences of our sin. And by the way, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians, he told them, you all are Gentiles. You didn't have the law of God, so you did some really horrible things. But just because you did those things, it's making God's working in your life look even greater. <laughs> I don't know where you've come from, how bad a person you have been. By the way, we're all really bad, but some people have performed sins that seem to have greater consequences than others. When you come to Jesus, God takes you just as you are. And no matter how marred and ugly your past has been, God can take whatever that has been and he can transform it into something beautiful. But even us as Christians, there's another way that God will mold us. And that is through something called trials. These are the difficult things that come into our lives that we would just prefer didn't come. I don't know what the world was like when God first made the world, but I do know this, it was absolutely perfect. I don't know what the people were like then, but Adam and Eve, they didn't have a lot of suffering. I think he probably allowed them to work. They probably suffered maybe physical exhaustion. They probably slept. But it was nothing like what we have now. There's a big difference between our world of suffering and their perfect world. When they did sin, the curse of sin came into the world. And ever since that moment, humans have suffered. And unfortunately... Even for believers, God did not promise to protect us from suffering. The book of James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. I don't know why this is the case, but God has chosen suffering to be a special way of making us molded and whole and perfect. God brings trials into our lives, and I want to be, I have not fleshed out my theology here entirely. However, when trials come into our lives, I don't know that we can exactly say that they're all coming from God himself. Now, God, God does bring unpleasant things in our lives, obviously, when it's time to chasten us. But in many cases, the suffering that we feel 
is not coming directly from God, but rather is just a result of us living in a sin-cursed world. And for some reason, God says, I'm going to let this thing happen to you. It's not necessarily coming from me. It's coming from the world and the consequences of sin that curse this world. But I'm going to let you go through this so that you will learn patience, so that you will be perfect and entire lacking nothing. As I look around at uh, the people in this audience, there are a lot of you who have gone through trials. If I have to be honest, I have not suffered very much in my life. But as I look at some of you, the suffering that you go through sometimes on a daily basis is a burden that I would not want to carry, just to be honest. But if you are willing to let God do His work in you, He says that that patience that you're learning will turn you into something perfect and entire. You are God's masterpiece, but only if you respond to those trials in the appropriate way that God wants you to. Now, not every trial is, is as big as another. For those of us who are young, perhaps, it, uh, we haven't suffered very much. <laughs> But even the little, quote-unquote, little tragedies that come, they still hurt. And uh, it's not really a matter of suffering by degrees. It's whatever you're going through right now, it hurts. And it's often difficult to know how am I supposed to respond to this particular difficulty in my life. But just to prepare you, if you're still young and, and you haven't suffered very much, there are some sufferings which come, which quite frankly are irreversible. The creases in this paper were bad enough, but I'm going to have to make some tears in this paper. Perhaps for you, that was the loss of someone that you loved more than anything else in this world, they're never coming back. Perhaps for someone here, it will be a tragic accident and you will lose something physically that was very valuable to you. Loss of eyesight or of, of limb. You might look at this paper and you might say, you've ruined it. There's tears. You might look at your life and say, God, why did you let this come into my life? This cannot be fixed. God says, it doesn't matter. Because I am crafting, I am working, I am turning you into a masterpiece and even though this didn't come from me, this was a result of the curse of sin, I let this come into your life so that something beautiful 
can come out on the other side. Do you have any idea what I'm going to turn this paper into? A diamond? A diamond? Ooh, that's a very good guess, Lloyd. A crown? A crown? A very good guess. A star? Another great guess. Butterfly? Be a wonderful guess. Now, if I were to tell you that you are going to see what, is this, what this is going to become in just one more fold, you would probably laugh at me because it doesn't look like anything right now. You know what Paul said? He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, by the way, Paul suffered a lot. And there was one particular ailment in his life, and he asked God, can I please, please, please have this removed? He asked God this three times, and God's final response to him was, no, no, and no, and here's why. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The world has a version of this, the world that doesn't know God. They have a narrative. It goes like this. They say, no pain, no gain. They say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I've seen a t-shirt that said, pain is just weakness leaving the body. The idea is, I'm suffering right now, but if I can just power through this, I'll be a stronger person on the other end. At first glance, that kind of looks like that might be what Paul is saying here. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. If I just get through this, then I'll be a stronger person at the end. I don't think that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, it's not going to get better. I'm going to still have this weakness in my body. I'm not going to power through this. I'm not going to become strong. Me. I'm not going to. Where does my strength come from? From God. Specifically, Jesus. Paul is saying, I am battered. I am beaten. I am weak. There is no way to fix what has happened to me, but this battered, beaten, broken person has the strength of Christ. God was making Paul his masterpiece, and Paul didn't ever really, really, really know why God was doing these things, even to the very end. He went and preached to the leader of the, imp uh, the, of the empire of the known world, and God's reward to him for doing that? He got his head cut off. Paul never got to see the full reward for what he had suffered for Jesus. You might never get a reason why from God as to why he brought this suffering into your life until the very, very end. 
Job was kind of like this. I hope you all know the story of Job. Job was a righteous man that God allowed some very, very bad things to happen to him. And Job, in the midst of his suffering, as he's arguing with his friends, they're saying, Job, you must have done something wrong. And Job is saying, no, I'm righteous before God. As they're arguing back and forth, here's what Job says. He says, he, God, knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, to be clear, I don't think Job was saying, I'm going to come through this and be a better person at the end. I think he was just telling them, God's putting me through the fire right now. When I come out on the other end, you're going to see I was righteous after all, okay? I'm going to be vindicated. But his phrasing here kind of makes my imagination run a little wild, and I begin to think about gold, okay? What has to happen to gold in order for it to become beautiful? First, they have to chip it out of the rock. They have to pound it and pulverize it. They have to then heat it up to tremendous heat till it melts. Then they have to skim the bad stuff off. Then they let it cool down. They hammer it, they hammer it, they hammer it. They heat it back up again, and then they slough off the, the bad stuff again. And then by the time they cool it, they pound it, they pound it, they pound it, they stretch it, they mold it, they polish it, they chip it. And the end result is something beautiful. But why is it beautiful? It's because of what it reflects. Now, I'm turning my piece of paper into something that will not look so much like a piece of paper anymore. God's goal for you is to turn you into something much different than your ideal life was probably to be. But God's not wanting to make you into his masterpiece so that you will look good. When God is finished with you, he is hoping you will reflect the very image of his son. Do you know what makes us beautiful as we obey God, no matter what sacrifice we need to make? Do you know what makes us beautiful even as God chastens us because of the wrong that we've done? Do you know what makes us beautiful in spite of trials and tribulations and suffering, if we respond properly, if we are willing to be bent and molded in the way that God wants us to be molded, what makes us beautiful in the end is that wonderful life of Christ reflected in our lives. All right, would you like to finally see what this piece of paper is going to be? All right. Well, here we go. My final fold. It is a fish. No longer a paper. We didn't know this till the very end. You may not see the reason for your suffering till the very end. Or maybe you won't even learn about it till glory. However, if you respond in the right way and you let the life of Jesus reflect in your life, you will be able to truly say, you are God's masterpiece. Do you know what Jesus did for us? He lived a life of suffering. He died a horrible death 
so that he could reflect the glory of his Father and that we could be brought to God. If you are here tonight and you have not found that full forgiveness that's found only through Jesus and his death on the cross, I pray tonight that you will accept him. But if you have accepted him, obey him no matter the cost. When it's time to be chastened, accept that with gladness, knowing that you have a Father who is caring for you. And in the times of your trials, know that God has a marvelous plan to transform you into the image of His Son. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to just praise you for that wonderful plan that you have for us, that you have called us into the image of your Son, and that may come through times of sacrifice, of chastening, of trials. Lord, if we and when we go through these things, I ask that you would just teach us to be willing to be bent. Help us to respond properly so that you can make us into what you want us to be. I ask this in Jesus' name.